0: So this morning, I want to talk about being watchful, okay, Uh, because I just can't help but look around and see all the things that are happening in this world and recognize the necessity of being watchful. I mean, we have to... Be watchful for many different reasons. God gives us many scriptures, and I'm going to read through a few of them here in just a minute. But God gives us the command to be watchful for many different reasons. But I can tell you, if there's the, if we're not watchful now, we're going to be lost. If we don't have our heads up looking for the return of God, return of the Lord, then, then we could miss it. You really won't miss it. Because every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But God calls us to be watchful. He calls us to look for his return. He calls us to, to, to do the work of the ministry. He calls us to do many things that operate and to function within his spirit, within his power. And be watchful waiting for that return. And I'll tell you what, we are closer today than we've ever been before in history. The Lord's return. If for no other reason, then today is today and yesterday is over with. So we're closer today than we were yesterday, right? I mean, just that simple reason. But I'll tell you what, we're closer today because of all the things that are happening in this world right now. When you begin to look around, you begin to see the signs and you begin to see the things happening in this world, and you begin to look at Scripture, which we're going to do some today. Uh, about the signs and the things that are going to happen in this world before Jesus returned, you see those things happening. And church, it's our responsibility as believers to be watchful. And he calls us to be watchful for many, many reasons. And I want to read you through some verses. Second Timothy 4, 5 says this, But you, keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. Matthew 25, 13 says, therefore, keep watch, being watchful. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. 1 Thessalonians 5, 6 says, So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. That awake and sober is basically awake and watching, awake and watchful, aware of what's going on aware of what's happening in the world, aware of where we are and where we're headed. Okay? Luke 21, 36 says, Be always on the watch. Doesn't get much more clear than that, right? Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. Mark 13, 33 says, Be on guard, be alert. You do not know when that time will come. I'll tell you what, anybody that was in the military, if you, were on, if you were on guard duty, you better be watchful, right? All right? It's the same thing as believers. Look, we may not have been in the worldly military, but we are in God's army. Amen? And we better be on watch, and we better be on guard. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour I don't have a cough or anything, but it's just something dry in the throat happens. Anyway, I told you a couple of weeks ago when I was talking about God's testing that I'm a why guy. I'm the guy that wants to know why. I don't know if I said this two weeks ago or not, but I was that little brother that went, why? 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 Anybody have one of those? Usually it's the little sisters that do that, right? Yes, it is. Why? And now I have students that do it to me. Why? Because I'm going to rip your head off if you don't. (laughs) But I do want to know why. Be watchful. Why? Well, there's a lot of reasons why. I mentioned that earlier. We're going to start in Matthew 25. And Pastor Tom last week talked about a Bible story. And this is another Bible story. This is a parable. It's a parable of the ten virgins. And I'm not going to read through the story, but it is in Matthew 25, the first half of the, of the chapter. And it talks about ten virgins that were going out to meet the bridegroom. They knew the bridegroom was coming. The bridegroom was on his way. Didn't know how long he was going to take, but they knew he was coming. Now five of those virgins brought their lamps and they brought a jar of oil. And five of those virgins brought their lamps. Because they just figured they'd have to be ready for a little while. And as it happens, the bridegroom delayed his coming. And they fell asleep. And when they woke up, and they heard that there was a shout, there was a trumpet blast, and the bridegroom was coming. It was announcing his arrival. And they woke up, and they trimmed their lamps. And all of a sudden, the five that have been referred to as the foolish ones said, give us some of your oil so that we can have enough oil for our lambs. And the ones that were the wise ones said, we can't give you our oil because there may not be enough for all of us. So go and buy some. Well, what happens? When they went to buy some oil, before they got back, the bridegroom came, those that had been wise, those that had been prepared, got on with the bridegroom, and off they went to the marriage supper. The five that came back went, oops, that's probably not all they said. But oopsie was probably a part of it. They weren't prepared. The bridegroom came. And I'll tell you, I've met believers who have said, look, I was a believer most all of my life. Jesus, people have told me from the very first day I was born, or born again, Jesus is coming back. He's coming back soon. He's coming back soon. I can't tell you in my lifetime how many people have said and made predictions of the day that Jesus was coming back. All right, there was a book, 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming Back in 1988, right? And then there was another one, Why He Didn't Come Back in 88 and Why He's Coming in 89, all right? And uh, all those things that every time they make those predictions and they don't happen, people have to transform their theology. Well, I think I did say a couple of weeks ago, we need to match our theology to what's in Scripture, not what we want to believe, all right? We can't make Scripture match what we want to believe. We need to believe what's in Scripture. All right? And we need to be watchful. And people have been predicting the coming, the second coming of Jesus Christ ever since I was born again. And that was like four days ago. All right? Or a little more. Maybe a little more. And yet there's a scripture that says this, and this just brings comfort to me. Because Have you ever, have you ever thought, man, I'm just kind of getting tired waiting for Jesus to come back. I'm getting tired of all the things that I'm having to go through in this world. I just want to be taken out of this world. I want him to come back. But there's a scripture that brings comfort. It says God is not slow concerning his promise to us. He's not slow. He's promised to come back. And he's not slow concerning his promise towards up. He's just not wishing that anyone should perish. I mean, we're born again. We look at it, I hope we're all born again. If we're not, you need to get that taken care of today. Okay, today. But as those of us that have been born again for a while, we think, God, how long is it going to be? I mean, it's been thousands of years already. When's it going to happen? Well, what if you're the guy who's not born again? And he's not slow. He's just wanting you to get saved. He's just wanting you to come into his kingdom. You're going to be glad if you're that guy and you come into his kingdom, right? That he delayed a day or two or however long it took. All right? I'm saying, church, we need to be about watching. We need to be about about being prepared. Okay? Don't slumber in your Christianity. All right? Don't sleep in your Christianity. These five virgins slept, and they weren't prepared. All right, so why be watchful? Number one, so that we can be prepared for his coming. Amen? Second thing, John 16, one of the ones I read up there, I believe. Nope, I didn't read that one, and I didn't give it to him either. So if you've got your scripture or your Bible, you can take a look at it. John 16, says this. It says, These things I have spoken to you, so that in me you may have peace in the world. In the world, or so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation. We talked about testing two weeks ago and the week before that. But take courage, I have overcome the world. Okay? So why be watchful? Well, Jesus says, these things I have spoken to you. If we're not watchful, if we're not paying attention, if we're not listening, we're not going to hear the things he's speaking to us, first of all. Right? But he says, these things I have said to you, these things I have spoken to you, so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation. Anybody ever had any tribulations? Anybody ever had any trials? Anybody ever had any hardships at all? No, not us, right? We're Christians. It's a rose garden, right? No, we have trials. We have tribulations. He he declares it right here. How many of you ever felt guilty because you were having a trial or a hardship? If you do, don't. Because that doesn't come from the Lord. All right? That is not from God. He is declaring right here that in the world, while we're here, you have tribulation. You have trials. You have hardships. We talked about the testing. There are things that are going to happen. He left those people in the promised land to test the Israelites. To be sure that they would know how to battle. (coughs) And we need to know how to battle, right? In this world, we will have hardships, but we can be happy even in our hardships. Why? Because He has overcome the world. All right? Now, this world, why do we need to be watchful? Why are we in a position in this world where we can... I mean, I think we're, we're seeing the trials and the tribulations... And the persecution perpetrated, perpetrated against Christians on such an increase, the, 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 the level of persecution is so much on the rise, it's unbelievable. We are living in a day when the persecution of believers and, and, and where the world is actually preparing itself for an all-out offensive against believers. All right? I'm telling you, the world is preparing itself for an all-out offensive against Christians, against those who speak the name of Jesus. We spoke the name of Jesus this morning over everybody in this room, over everybody watching, over our families. We praised Him. We glorified Him. And the world does not like that. And the enemy of this world does not like that. And He's going to do what He can do to draw you away from that, to drag you away from that, kicking and screaming if that's what He has to do. He does not want you watching and waiting on Jesus he does not want you spending time in the presence of God he wants to destroy you we're gonna get there in a minute the world is preparing itself for an all-out offensive against God against the kingdom of God and against everybody who follows him the level of terrorism today in this world is unlike any other time in history. They're focused on the annihilation of Christians. They're focused on the annihilation of believers. They're focused on the annihilation of Israel. And it's worse than ever before. If you've watched any TV at all over the the last, uh, Two months three months six months year even commercials are spouting philosophies and spouting thoughts and spouting ideas that are contrary to Christ and to his teachings it's an offensive against Christians and when I mean offensive I'm talking about a battle an army that is set that is ready to go that is driving forward I mean, you know, we think, go back to Vietnam, the Tet Offensive, where they just swooped down and just overtook everything. I mean, this is an offensive like the world has never seen. It is offensive, (laughs) but it is an offensive where they are going on the offense. The world is going on the offense against believers, and it's at a level that has not been seen since first century Rome. And first century Rome, if you don't know what happened there, I mean... The Roman emperors were crucifying Christians in the Colosseum. They were feeding them to lions. They were putting them in and having, you know, setting bears on them and and just anything they could do to entertain themselves as they killed believers, as they killed Christians. I mean, it was the thing to do in the world. And it's getting to be just like that now. I mean, we may not be thrown into a Colosseum with a bunch of lions and have to fight our way to survive. But I'll tell you what. The enemy is doing it a little more subtly this time. And they're doing it through philosophy. They're doing it through the world's ideas of normal. They're doing it through the world's ideas of, of what is right and what is wrong. And every bit of it is completely contrary to the teachings of Jesus Christ. And church, we need to be watchful because we may suffer tribulation and persecution like never before. In this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Jesus has overcome the world, and we can take cheer in that. And you know, I mean... (coughs) Excuse me. I don't know if they threw me in the Colosseum with a bunch of lions that I could smile the whole time because Jesus has overcome the world. I think I would not be running very fast because I don't run very fast (laughs) these days. Truth is, I never did run very fast. Um, But... uh, I just think of Stephen when he was being stoned and how he prayed for those and how he said, into thy hands I commit my spirit. I think of Jesus hanging on the cross, being persecuted, being ridiculed. Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. They were being watchful. They were looking heavenward, not earthward. And I don't care what happens to us on this earth, church. He has overcome the world. Amen. He has overcome the world. There's not one thing that they can throw against you that he has not overcome. Now, that doesn't mean it won't happen. It just means that even in the midst of it, he's overcome that. And if they take your life, your life begins in eternity. How bad can that be? Right? I'm going to cut off your head. Okay. 20 pounds of ugly fat, one fell swoop, you know? I mean, (laughs) sorry, that was just. Sometimes it comes in and it comes out and it should stop right in the middle. I get it. I get it. (laughs) Thank you. It doesn't matter what they do to this body. Our spirit lives forever Amen. with God. Amen. Amen. Eternal life begins. First Peter 5 eight says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. I talked about the enemy a little while ago, about what his job is, what his desire is, what his duty is, what his life goal is. He wants to be God. That's what got him kicked out of heaven. He wanted to be like the Most High. And he still does. He's not giving up on that. And the only way he can do that is to get rid of Christians who don't follow him. So he's looking to destroy you. He stalks about it, says, like a roaring lion, prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. What does a lion do when it's on the hunt? It prowls, gets down real low, it creeps and it crawls, and it doesn't pick out the biggest, strongest, most watchful prey in the herd. Does it? I mean, if somebody's standing there watching, the lion's like, oh, not that one. It picks out the small, the weak, the slow, <laughs> the old. I'm striking out here. What can I tell you? (laughs) A lion doesn't attack something that is strong and might inflict some pain and might inflict some injury because they have to live to, to, to hunt another day. Church, we need to be strong and we need to be watchful. All right? Now, if you think about Predator and prey. Easiest way to tell the difference is this Predators' eyes are facing forward, prey's eyes are on the side. That's so they can watch for the predators. Alright? Our eyes are in the front. That's because we don't have to be prey. What we have to do is prey. Different spelling. But we have an enemy who thinks he can destroy us anyway. The Bible also says in John 10 that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he comes to do. That's what he wants to do. Jesus says, but I have come that you might have life and that life eternal. That's what we're looking for. And our eyes are facing front because we want to have our focus on heaven. We need to look to the hills to where our life comes from our redemption draws nigh it's coming from heaven we need to be looking up we need to be focusing our gaze on him but at the same time we need to understand what's happening in the world around us and we need to be watchful and we need to be watchful so that we can be prepared like five of the virgins were we need to be watchful so that we can understand what some of those trials and what some of those tribulations are we need to be watchful so that we can see that lion that's creeping up in the bushes, in the grass, that's taller than the, 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 the cat is, that's coming up to try to get us. The enemy doesn't just walk up to your face and say, Hey, I'm the devil, I'm here to destroy you. Because if he did, you'd rebuke him in the name of Jesus and he would have to flee. Because at the name of Jesus, they have to flee. That's why we invoke the name of Jesus when we're praying and when we're casting out demons, and when we're dealing in spiritual warfare. It's not in our power. It's in His power. It's in the name of Jesus. It's in the power of the Holy Spirit that we're able to even fight against the enemy. And our responsibility, church, is to remain watchful, to understand, to see, to know, to be ready, and to be alert, and of sober mind. Matthew 24, 3-14, and I am going to read this one to you. Because I didn't put it all up there. I don't think. Do we have it all up there? I don't. All right. Well, I don't have it all right here. So I'm going to get to it anyway. All right. Chapter three says, As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? Talking about his coming, his return. And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Jesus answered, watch out. Be watchful, right? Watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginnings of birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of the wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. If you want to start taking a look at the signs of the end of the age, read Matthew 24. Now, when I just read through even that 3 to to 13, did any of that sound like what's happening in our world today? It absolutely did. And it absolutely does. And he says, be watchful. It seems like the world, Christians, verse 9 says, Christians will be hated By everyone in church, it seems like the world is getting closer to this reality every day. In my own lifetime, and I mean, I'm not, you know, a thousand years old. In my lifetime, I have seen our society go from a society that, where Christianity was kind of the norm. That was kind of the thing that people expected I mean, people got up on Sunday morning and they went to church. And, you know, if some of the lifestyle sins and some of the things that were happening that were against Christianity, they kind of lurked in the shadows a little bit. I mean, that's, I mean, in, in, in my little small town that I grew up in, Santa Paula, when I was a little kid and Taft, you know, after that, another small town. I mean, that's just how it was. People were believers. People were Christians. People were kind of expected to, 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 to get up on a Sunday morning and go to church and worship God and, and to be believers. And um, today, those same sins that might have been lurking in the, in the shadows are blasted on the airwaves. They're blasted on the billboards. They're put right out in front of us to say, here I am. What are you going to do about it? Actually, I think more than that, I think they're actually there to say, here I am, and there's nothing you can do about it. Christians are going to be hated by everyone. (coughs) To be a Christian these days. And we kind of live in sometimes a Christian bubble. You know what I mean? I get that. But to be a Christian um, these days can lead to persecution like never before. It can lead to ridicule like never before. People would have been scared to stand up and make fun of a believer because everybody else in the room probably was a believer too and they might have jumped on them and put the whoop on them. You know? Not anymore. I mean, it's not like if you walk into a... Uh, a, a group of people, and you stand and declare you're a believer and you're a Christian, many of them are liable to just laugh at you. I mean, it's just the truth of where our world has come to. And Matthew 24 shows us as a sign of the end of the age. Church, we have to be watchful for these signs. We have to understand the signs around us. We have to understand what's coming. We have to understand what it means. When these things happen, and what exactly does it mean? It means Jesus is coming back. And church, before Jesus gets here, we've got business to do. All right? And I'll get there in a few minutes too. All right? But Christians are going to be hated. We're going to be handed over to be persecuted. And here, you know, this, this that section of verse that says, you'll be handed over to be persecuted. And Christian will turn against Christian. And believers will turn against believers. And it says that false prophets will arise and they will stand and they will speak and they will draw many away from the faith. Church, the Bible declares they will know we're believers by our love. We cannot get to a point to where believer turns against believer. All right? We just can't. But the Bible says many will turn away from the church. Many will turn away from the faith. How do, you, how do you stay away from that? How do you stay away from being one of those many? You're watchful. You're prepared. You're ready. You understand the times. You see the signs. You know what it's all about. I mean, if you think about choices that you have to make long before you have to make the choice and you get it set in your head what choice you're going to make, then when you get to that point, the choice is way easier to make. All right? It's just a fact. I mean, if you wait until you get to the point of decision, and you haven't thought about it, then you're like, "Rut row, <laughs> What do I do? You know, what am I going to decide? Which way do I go? And it's easier for the enemy to draw you away. It's easier for... for, for peer pressure to get you to their side. It's easier for people that are pushing you and pressing you and persecuting you to draw you away from what it is that you would want to decide if you had the time to choose. So my my point is I guess this morning church is be watchful. Begin to think about those choices. Understand we're going to be persecuted. Understand that people you know and people you love and, and heaven forbid that it's anybody in this church that goes Christian turns against Christian. But even if that happens, we have to understand as we're watchful that we've made a decision that we're going to follow Christ no matter what. No matter what, no matter where, no matter how, no matter how bad. Even if they hand you over to be persecuted to the point of death. And they lay your head on a block. And they say, are you going to renounce Christ or are you going to profess Christ? Renounce Christ and live. Profess Christ and die. If you've decided ahead of time what your choice is going to be, I'm not telling you it would be an easy choice to make at that moment, but it would be the right choice. I'm going to profess Christ. And here's what they don't get. Profess Christ and die right now, but live for eternity. Deny Christ and live right now, but death for eternity. They don't quite get that. But church, we have to be watchful. And we have to be prepared. And we have to be making those choices ahead of time. Verse 12 is one of my least favorite verses in Scripture not because I don't like it not because I don't agree with it but because of the truth of it Matthew twenty four twelve says because of the increase of wickedness the love of most will grow cold think about the corporate church how many believers confess Jesus how many people declare that they love Jesus And this says that in the last days, when the persecution happens, when the trials really ramp up, when the tribulations are really tough to the point even maybe of death, it says, because of the increase in wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Church, be a part of the few. Don't be a part of the most. Don't be a part of the most what we have to be is verse 13 stand firm to the end no matter what comes your way because you were watchful because you were prepared and because you were aware be watchful and stand firm to the end and be saved that's verse 13 it's a promise he who stands firm to the end will be saved we have to be watchful. And verse 14 says, "Is this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached to the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come." How many people want Jesus to come back? Okay? Most everybody wants Jesus to come back. How do we make that happen? We preach the gospel to all nations. Bless you. We preach the gospel of the kingdom to all nations. He says it right there. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached to the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then will come. Now the word nations there is not countries. It's peoples, ethnos, people groups. All right, we need to be reaching people for Jesus Christ, amen? And that takes us to the last section that I want to go through. 2 Timothy 4, 5. I read a little while ago. Says, but you keep your head in all situations. Keep your head. When tri- tri- trials happen, when tribulations happen, keep your head. You've thought it through. You knew what was coming. You've prepared yourself spiritually, emotionally, even physically. All right? But you keep your head because you've done all the things, because you've been watchful. We can do this. We can keep our head. Now, we may not keep our head, (laughs) but while we're still here, we can keep our wits about us. That's what it's talking about. Keep your wits about you. All right. Keep your head. Don't let the enemy drag you down. Don't let the enemy drag you away. Don't let the enemy drag you to be one of the most. All right. Keep your head. In all situations, I heard a saying on a, it's kind of a, a different um, twist on like an old poem kind of a thing, I think. It said, if you can keep your head when all those about you are losing theirs, then you just don't understand the situation. <laughs> all right. <laughs> but church, we can understand the situation. And still keep our head because we're prepared and because we're watchful. He says, but you keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. We're going to have it. Why not plan to endure it? Right? I mean, why give in to it? I mean, many people raise their hands and said, I've, I've endured hardships already. We got through them, right? They're not over, are they? We're going to endure them again, Right? Lord willing. If not, he's going to take us away and then we'll be through with them. Nothing wrong with that. But he says, you keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. Why do we need to be watchful? What is another reason? What is another why that we need to be watchful? It's so that we can have our head In all situations, it's so that we can be prepared. It's so when all things around us are in chaos, when everything else is going crazy, we can do what it is he's told us to do right here. We can do the work of the evangelist. Remember, I said a little while ago, this gospel of this kingdom will be preached to all the world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. We cannot ever stop doing the work of an evangelist. We can never stop sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with people. (coughs) Excuse me. We can never stop living the life of Jesus Christ in front of people. You may never open your mouth to share the gospel with somebody. But if you're living the gospel in front of them, that's powerful. That is powerful. Now, I'm not telling you it's, not, it's okay to not share the gospel with people. I'm telling you, if God leads you to share the gospel with somebody, then you share the gospel with somebody. But more importantly, every day of your life, you live the gospel in front of them. Amen? You, can you do that? We live the gospel in front of them. We do the work of an evangelist. Now, maybe you're not an evangelist. God calls some to be evangelists, pastors, apostles, prophets, teachers. There's many different things God's called us to do. What if you're not an evangelist? Well, at least you can live the life of Jesus Christ. That's something we should all be doing, right? But maybe you're not the guy who stands up on a stage and says, Jesus is coming soon. Jesus was, was, was born of a virgin. He, was, he lived a life that was perfect. He was crucified on a Christ. And the third day, he rose from the dead. And when he rose from the dead, he defeated death, hell, and the grave. And as he defeated that, he defeated it for you so that your sins could be forgiven. That's the gospel, right? Yeah. All right. Maybe you're not the guy who stands up and proclaims that. Maybe you're not the person who goes to work and proclaims that to everybody you know. But it doesn't leave you out. Because we've all been called to a ministry if we're in the kingdom of God. And we all have different ministries. Nothing wrong with that. It says discharge all the duties of your ministry. Church, in the last days that we are living in, I am convinced of it. We need to keep our head about us. And the only way we can do that is if we are focusing our attention on him. The only way we can keep our head is if we have confidence in knowing who we are in Christ. And we can only know that because we've been watchful and we are continuing to be watchful. But in the process of that, we can do everything that God has called us to do for our ministry, whatever that is. And can I tell you this? The world needs your ministry. You know, Pastor Tom, when we do communion, he says, I need this, right? Well, we need Jesus. And we need to share him with the world And this is going to be the tough part. We need to share Jesus with a world that hates us. We need to take the most precious thing we have and give it to people, offer it to people who hate us. That's what God's called us to do. Sounds kind of tough, doesn't it? Nobody wants to give something great to somebody who hates you. Aren't you glad that somebody gave it to you? I mean, if somebody gave it to you, then can't you give it away to somebody else? Best thing about the gospel, you can give it away and you still have it. Just like smiling at somebody. Give it away, but you still got it there, right? Discharge all the duties of your ministry. Church, we need to wake up. That's really what this is all about. We need to wake up. We must wake up. Believers, we must wake up. If I can get the worship team to start heading this way. We must have our eyes on Him as we face situations, church, that we have never faced before. We need to wake up. We need to be watchful. We need to have our eyes on Him. We must have our eyes on Him to face tribulations that we have never faced. Tribulations and trials like we've never faced before. Have you faced hardships in your life? Yes, we all have, I think. But we're going to face trials and and tribulations like we've never faced before. We need to keep our eyes on him. We need to keep our eyes on him as we face persecution like we've never faced before, as we face hate from this world like we've never faced before.